Ministry happens when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And that is the beautiful definition for ministry that we're using as a basis or foundation for our exploration into the heart of Christian service. And today what we're going to do is we want to look at uh, different ways that we may respond to uh, human needs. And keep in mind that, again, as believers, each one of us is a unique, unique individual member of the body of Christ, and each one of us has a job to do. God has called us uh, according to the plan that he has, has for our lives, and he will give us the tools that we need, the gifting that we need to get the job done. And uh, remember that whatever that plan is for your life, that is your ministry. So when we talk about ministry, that's what we're talking about. It doesn't have to be uh, that you're a pastor or uh, serving in a church as, a, as some kind of uh, staff member or a uh, evangelist or anything like that. It's whatever plan God has called you to. That is your individual ministry. And um, ministry in ministry we're called to live for others. It's never about being selfish. It's always about living for others. We're always to look to the other person's highest good. And that is the definition of love. Love is always looking to seek the other person's highest good. And, uh, you know, that's very the very heart of the Ephesians Project is that we as individuals get built up in Christ. We get built up in the Word of God. And then we can help other believers um, to get built up as well. And by doing that, by helping them meet our goals, where we can then give, uh, they can then give glory to God. And uh, that's what it's all about. And, you know, whatever type of ministry you're in, uh, there are pitfalls or there are ways the adversary will go after us. And, you know, if we're paid, if you're a paid minister, uh, the pitfall could be that you then start to uh, take your ministry or accept your ministry as just another job. It's just another way of making a living. And come Monday, it's like everybody else in the world. You know, you get up on Monday morning. Oh, man, another Monday. Uh, dreadful Monday. Then Wednesday's hump day. Friday's getaway Friday. And if you're getting paid to, in the ministry position and that is the pitfall, and if you succumb to that, then uh, the adversary will have his way. And just keep in mind, like one example of, uh, so let's say you're a paid staff, a staff member. Now on Mondays, uh, pastors, probably Monday is probably their worst day. You know, they burn out on Sunday morning, lay it all on the line, put it all out there, and uh, their batteries are completely wiped out. By the time they're finished with the sermons on Sunday morning, they're pretty much wiped out. Satan will begin immediately to start uh, hitting those pastors. And then come Monday morning, their pastor's probably ready to quit. I've even heard that, that pastors say every Monday they want to quit, but they don't, you know. So um, it's it's interesting. So let's say you're on the staff. And you are called to be an encourager. And now, instead of on Monday morning encouraging the pastor, you are now bummed out or is in, in, in a uh, bad frame of mind as he is. And then you're in no position that God can use you to bless that pastor. So, I mean, that's just one little example, but uh, that's what can happen. And and again, if you're paid, you can get into the, that mindset that is just another job. 
And uh, when that happens, then um, you're not doing what God called you to do, and you're not really helping anybody. You're not helping yourself, and you're not helping anybody, and God will not get any glory from that. Um, if you're not paid staff, and in your ministry, especially volunteers, and if you're a volunteer in a uh, church setting or an organizational ministry organizational setting, your pitfall could be uh, that, oh, you think you should get paid. Or why is so-and-so getting paid and I'm not getting paid? And and that's where the adversary will hit you. And, you know, when that happens, again, God gets no glory from that. Your heart gets hard-hearted and um, you it becomes calloused and you serve no purpose for, for God. Then it becomes a thing where you can actually divide rather than, uh, rather than unite. And uh, that's not what it's all about. And um, serving, ministering to others should be a wonderful uh, way of life and a wonderful way of making a living if you are getting paid, a wonderful way to help others if you're not getting paid. It's not about pay. It's all about giving glory to God, serving in the capacity, the loving capacity that God has called you to do. And uh, your needs will be met. You know, if you're living according to God's word and uh, you are living according to his plan, then uh, your needs will be met. So, but there again, this is why it's so important that you have your heads in the word of God daily. If your head is not in the word of God, then how do you renew your mind to the word of God? And again, we have to renew our minds one thought at a time, each thought at a time. Or otherwise, the adversary, I mean, he's going to pound you with thoughts constantly uh, to get you off the word. Now, if you don't know the word, he's already got you. So very important that you keep your heads in the word. And uh, if you think about uh, Jesus Christ's ministry, all he did was live to serve God and do whatever God the Father wants him, wanted him to do. He did nothing else but help people. And when we serve the Lord and when we... Um, answer the call that God has for our lives, we then can become more like Jesus Christ. And that should be our goal in ministry, should be to be more like Jesus Christ, Christ, I'm sorry, be more like Jesus Christ in, in everything that we do. And that, that is a uh, wonderful goal to live towards. And uh, especially today when we don't have role models, especially kids, they don't have role models. Uh, Jesus Christ is the perfect role model for everyone. Um, and if you think about Jesus Christ's ministry, uh, again, he did nothing but good, but yet he did not always get appreciated for the things that he did. He, he didn't always get thanks for the things he did. In fact, on the other hand, he sometimes got in trouble for what he did. Uh, one example would be in John uh, chapter 5. We're not going to read that, but um, we can go there for a second. John chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 16 is where you should read that on your own. Uh, but basically that is the, the uh, man that was lame and he was at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, Jesus Christ, of course, healed this guy. And it, the problem was is that it was the uh, Sabbath. And... Um, this guy wound up, in fact, giving the Jews ammunition for 
going against Jesus for healing him on the Sabbath. So it's not only not getting thanked, but it's often that Jesus got in trouble. So uh, in verse 16, it said, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. You can read that whole record, but bottom line, Jesus helped people. Uh, he was a bit of a rebel. He did this on the Sabbath day. Uh, he did according to what God asked him to do. And uh, no matter what people would say or do, he did what the Father asked him to do. That was That's ministry. When you do what, what God tells you to do, despite possible consequences from that. Uh, you, you have to, of course, be, again, have your head in the Word so that you know you are walking according to uh, what God is asking you to do. And that's the benefit of today. We're living in the age of grace. We have the Holy Spirit in us to lead us. Uh, we have God in Christ in us, the hope of glory. So uh, we should be, again, if your head's in the word and you're living according to the word, you have that inner peace, then you will be in a position to hear that sweet, small voice that will be guiding you and leading you in your ministry, whatever that ministry is. And we, as we know, uh, this world is made up of all types of different people and all types of different people. They all have different types of needs. And um, we have avenues available to us. Uh, we have choices to make in how we would relate or how we will relate or respond to those uh, needs. And uh, that's what we're going to do today, to take a look at a, a few different types of ways that we may choose to uh, to uh, relate to those needs. And the first, of course, is that we can actually be blind to them and live our own lives. So in other words, you don't even care about needs. You're, you're not even looking. Forget your eyes being open. Your eyes are closed. Your eyes are blinded. You got scales on. You got blindfolds. You don't even care. You could you couldn't care less about the needs of other people. And um, that, again, is a choice we can make, but it's not the way a Christian should live. And uh, we certainly wouldn't be living like Jesus Christ did if we take that kind of uh, attitude. And um, if we go to Philippians 2, uh, Paul talks about this. Philippians 2, um, basically... If we look at verses 3 and 4, uh, because what can happen is um, we can operate out of self-ambition and self-interest, and that's why our eyes are blinded, because we, we don't care about other people. All we care about is ourselves. And if we go to, again, Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, I'm going to read from the uh, King James. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And uh, I'm going to read also from the NIV, and that those verses say, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves." Verse four: Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And one more: the NLT says the New Living Translation, uh, verse uh, three says, um, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So uh, we could really 
that's not really a way to go on this, but it, it is again a choice we have to make. And I, I would I would suggest to you that if you're taking that avenue, closing a blind eye to others' needs, then you're not walking uh, according to the way a Christian should should be walking. You're not living according to how the Ephesians Project, uh, our basic foundation, is uh, to help others. So, uh, in fact, there's another interesting point here. But if you um, if you look at uh, what Paul talks about. <clears throat> In that same Philippians 2, um, very interesting here. Uh, I'm sorry, let me... <clears throat> Philippians 2, we're, we're going to look at uh, verse... Uh, Oh, verses 19. We'll start at 19. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because this really uh, says it uh, pretty nicely here. Uh, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to, soon, to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. And then this is key here, paramount. I have no one else in verse 20 like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others in verse 21 care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. So isn't that interesting? Even in Paul's time, he only had one man to send because they were all, the others were so wrapped up in themselves, they would not have a genuine need for the uh, Philippians who he's writing here to. And um, so Paul wanted to send Timothy because of that. So uh, this is something that is, you know, this goes all the way back, and it's nothing new, and it's something, again, that the adversary, it's just another tool that the adversary will use if we let him to uh, stop us uh, from uh, caring for other people. And um, the second, uh, a second way we could respond to needs is uh, we could take advantage of someone's needs to benefit ourselves. Uh, sound familiar? You may know of someone who has tried to do that in your life or, or in, in the church around you or, or whatever uh, part of life uh, that, you, that you've seen this. Uh, it, uh, hopefully it's not in your own life. But it, again, part of this is to say, do a self-examination, a really good, take a really good look at yourself. And if, uh, you may find yourself doing that and not even awareingly doing it. You may do this at, just out of second nature because that's how the world teaches it. You know, career ladders, you know, you go up that career ladder, you're taught, uh, it doesn't matter who you step on or whatever. That's the, what the world teaches. And it's not, according, that's not how the Bible teaches us to uh, relate to uh, other people and their needs. Um, it is possible to uh, be in ministry and use people to get what you want instead of helping people to get where they need to be. And again, the Ephesians Project, building up the body of Christ, when you look to other people, if you look to help other people reach their goals, then you will have your mind on them and on meeting their goals. You will have no needs in your life because you are helping people meet their needs. And um, God will bless you for that in eternity. You will have peace and you'll have the blessing of seeing other people reach their goals. There's nothing better than... Uh, you know, at least for me, when I see that, when I help somebody reach a goal, 
or to do something they could they they didn't think they could do or that they had trouble doing and you help them or I when I help them and I see them get where they need to be it's it's so uh it's such a wonderful feeling inside of you. And, and, and in the brain studies that I'm doing as well, there are actually uh, chemicals released into the body from your brain uh, as a result of what you're doing that benefit you, that benefit your body. So uh, this goes, you know, way back when, when God put it in his word to do this. And uh, this is what we need to do. Uh, the Pharisees in uh, Matthew 23, you can read that yourself, Matthew 23, 1 to 12, uh, they used common people uh, to build their own authority instead of using their authority to build up the people. And if we aren't careful, we can minister in that same way where we exploit the needs of others to get ourselves recognition, uh you know, you want to be known, uh, you may want a position. Again, we talked about it. You may be a volunteer. You think you should be paid maybe by helping others to get where they need to be or you you uh, you meet the needs of other people that you think now that you might, that may get you position. And uh, believe it or not, too, whatever your ultimate goal is um, in, in doing it, in helping, uh, whatever your ultimate goal is here, if it's recognition, position, title, honor, uh, self-gratification, privileges, uh, whatever that is, you will put forth your own plan to make that happen. And sometimes you won't even see uh, exactly what you're doing. or and, and that will really hurt people. When you take advantage of them to uh, get where they need to be, uh, I'm sorry to where so that you get to where you want to be and you don't you never get them to where they need to be because you're operating under your own self-interest. And uh, this is what gives Christianity a bad name. Um, and this is what the adversary uses both for uh, showing the unsaved that we're no better than they are. We're no better than the world. It also shows uh, he uses that type of uh, attitude and behavior to split churches, uh, division, uh, to build. Instead of building up, we uh, rip down. Instead of unifying, we divide when we operate in those uh, in that kind of capacity. So we don't definitely don't want to do that. Um, true servants of God help others whether they themselves get uh, anything out of it or not. And I would suggest, encourage, and exhort you to, when you are serving, that you periodically, at least at a minimum, check your heart, make sure that you are serving for the right reasons. And um, it'll keep you humble, too. And, and if you get humble, God can exalt you. And uh, that's where you want to be. You want to operate like Christ with the true love of God and renewed mind and manifestation which is the way Jesus Christ operated. And uh, people who have that kind of true servant's heart, uh, their concern only is that God gets the glory and, and the other people uh, then can trust Christ. You see, and again, uh, whether you're ministering, if you're ministering to a believer, especially a believer who may not be uh, as... Um, as mature as you as a believer, um, and you do something like uh, like I just described a few minutes ago here, uh, you could completely turn them off. Uh, they may not even be saved yet. Uh, you know, if they're not saved, well, then they wouldn't be a, a true believer. Uh, so I go, 
go back to what I was saying there uh, in the believer's point, you know, um, let me back that up. If you're trying, to, if it's a believer who is not as mature as you um, and you do something uh, that hurts them because of your own self-interest in an effort where you're telling them you're helping them, uh, that can can actually destroy a person, another believer, and they won't get any more mature in Christ. They, sometimes they can turn away from the church, they can turn away from God, they can turn away from the Bible because of what you did. Uh, as far as the unsaved go, um, those people, again, our heart has to be to give glory to God in helping people so that the unsaved will see the love of God and then will want to turn to him and turn to his word, get saved, and enter into the body of Christ. That is the goal. If you are serving in any other, for any other reason, then it's simply wrong. And you're not, uh, God does not get glory from wrong serving. Simple as that. Uh, I mean, people may even get benefited. There may be even benefit to your wrong serving. Uh, God will sometimes make, uh, yeah, again, lemonade out of lemons. Uh, he may still bless the people, but there will be consequences to pay on your part. And it will not be best in the overall scheme of things. And um, so we want to make sure that we are operating with a true servant's heart. And a third way we can relate to others is to know about their needs and then do nothing about it. So the first one was where you turn a blind eye where you, you don't even want to know the needs. You just have blinders on, period. Uh, this one is a little different because now you know the need, but you just don't do anything about it, you know. Um, this what in Luke 10, uh, verses 25 to 37, you can read that on your own too. But there it talks about the, I believe that was the, um, uh, Luke 10, 25 was the Good Samaritan. And um, basically, uh, the Levite, and let's, let's just turn there a second. Uh, that's Luke 10. Verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and shalt, thou shalt live. But he willingly to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes into the uh, the uh, Good Samaritan uh, situation here where um, the uh, certain man went down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead in verse 30. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. That's a priest now. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And that is the key word. You have to operate with the compassion of Jesus Christ when you operate. You have In the servant's heart, you have compassion. And um, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, verse 35, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and what, what, whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. 
And then Jesus says, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell amongst the seeds? So um, that's a, a great record uh, which supports or shows you in visual details here uh, about how you could have um, know of needs and just not do anything about them. You know, we're blessed to be a blessing. And, you know, if you're blessed and you're not, you know, God, God will, God will supply your needs. He will financially now. Let's talk finances for a minute. He will supply your needs. He will bless you over and above your needs so that you can bless somebody else. Now you have a choice at that point. You can keep the overage and, um, you will not get blessed for that. Nobody gets blessed for that. And these are all God's resources. So you want to, uh, be blessed to be a blessing. God blesses us so that we can share and be a blessing with others. And that comes in the form of finances, comes in the form of time, resources, whatever it is we have, however it is we're blessed, we should be looking for opportunities, praying for opportunities to bless other people. And you can do that every Sunday morning before you go to church. If, hopefully you attend church regularly. And when you go, before you go in there, you ask God to uh, show you opportunities to bless people. And there are situations every, every Sunday in church where it could be simply a handshake, a, a, uh, a welcoming smile, a hug, something that you may say to somebody that will just turn their whole day around, could turn their life around. I mean, you have people that don't get hugs all, all, all week long, and then they come to church and they get that hug. It's like gold to them. And God, of course, knows all the needs. So if you pray about it and he opens your eyes to those needs, you want to then make sure you follow up and 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 meet those needs of those people. And uh, we should never... Um, we should never, uh, want to, uh, let me back up again. Um, we, we have to though look at the opportunities and make sure that they're not, uh, coming from the adversary. Uh, there are times when we may not be supposed to minister. It may not be right time for us to minister. Uh, there may be someone else God is calling to minister. You know, uh, these are all situational situ uh, deals. So you have to, that's is why you have to have your head in the word so you know that it's God telling you to meet the needs. Other times it's just clear and evident. I mean, you hand, give a handshake to somebody, a hug, uh, uh, you say something nice to them to bless their day. Uh, something like that is, is just, that's the human thing to do. Other times, God will maybe ask you to go over to somebody you don't know that you may not even feel comfortable doing. Those are the situations where I'm talking about where you really need to be walking with God on. Other times, too, there may be situations where people, you see this on the street where they may be asking for money, things like that. And again, you have to walk in wisdom. And this is why you have to have your head in the word. You have to pray about situations like that. I mean, there's scams, new scams every day, uh, scams to take your money, scams to uh, rob you, uh, physically assault you, and, and different things like that. So you have to walk in wisdom on this. But that's why if you're, if you're walking with your head in the Word and you're walking by the Spirit, they will be obvious to you. And certain things, again, are just meeting human needs that takes nothing other than... Uh, you know, giving of yourself a little bit, and that's always a good thing to do. Um, 
In Christian service, you have to have a sensitive spirit and a tender heart. Those are absolutely essential uh, because what can happen is we can become calloused. Um, when we become calloused, our work becomes routine. It can become just a normality of our daily lives. It can be just something that we do, and eventually we may even stop doing it. Um, it, they may, it may be just a tedious thing to do. When, when, when your heart is not operating with the true servant, as a true servant's heart, with the love of God and the renewed mind manifestation, when you're, you're not serving to give God the glory, and uh, let me go to um, Colossians for a second, and let's look at Colossians, wait a minute. Oh, let's go back to Philippians uh, again. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God which, with, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Um, and, of course, you can read the context. In, I don't like usually pulling verses out of context here. But if you, you can read the context, read the whole chapter of Philippians 2. Uh, you'll see the context that he was talking here. But this works for having a servant's heart. And again, it's God's plan. God will show you what to do. God will tell you what he needs to do. When people need to be blessed, he will uh, come to you, possibly come to you as the person he wants to uh, help that person. And it may be, especially if you have a gift of encouragement, uh, it may be your job to encourage that person today. It may be your, your job on that Monday morning to uh, encourage that pastor. It may be your job to send him an email. It may be your, your, your job to uh, pick up the phone if God tells you to, to call and encourage that pastor. So whatever it is, uh, these verses work. Uh, for it is God which worketh, which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So God will work within you to, 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 to get to, to his good pleasure the way he wants the job to get done, and um, it's then your opportunity now to do it, or you can do it. Also, you can do it with uh, with murmurings and disputing, and eh, you know, you start mumbling under your breath or whatever it might be, and that's not the way that God wants you to minister. Uh, also, in Colossians, now it. Um, <laughs> Okay, in Colossians 3, and again, read the chapter. You can read the context of the verse. Uh, but basically, if we go to 3 and we go to 22 and 23, uh, it's talking about servants obeying all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, there is, and there is no respect to person. Now this is talking about servants. This is on your, your job, a, a non-ministry job, just your normal everyday job. God expects, expects people to um, serve their employers uh, as they would be serving the Lord. Do it heartily unto the Lord. Your your service to your employer, your work should also be a reflection on you as a Christian. 
You should be the best employee there because you're a Christian. You should be serving with a cheerful heart and smile on your face. And again, now you can pick up the uh, person that's next to you that may not be a Christian. And um, you may be able to encourage and help them. There at some point in time, they're going to want what you have because your light will be shining so brightly uh, that they're going to want what you have. They may may turn on to Jesus because of that. They may get saved because of what you're doing, the way you're operating in your job. And uh, then when you give glory to God, that may be just what they need to make a commitment to enter the body of Christ. But this also works especially for when you're serving God in Christian ministry or in the plan that you have for your life. So, uh, And the one thing we don't want to do we never want to make, uh, again, going back to the point where, um, you know, we can't meet every need. There are so many needs uh, that, and, and you, you're not expected to meet every need. Uh, there is one thing, however, that you must never be thankful for a reason or an excuse to escape the responsibility of meeting the needs. Like, you know, uh, just a, uh, an example, and I don't know how good this one is, but... Um, We'll try it. Uh, let's say, you know, you see somebody with the need, uh, I don't know. Let's say they need, uh, let's say they need $10. I mean, this, again, take this with a grain of salt and, and use it, uh, fill in your own blanks on this, but let's just say for the sake of argument, somebody needed 10 bucks and you're, 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 you're not contemplating whether you're going to do this or not. You, you have the 10, you can help them. But then, then somebody else comes along and, Without flinching, they give them the 10, and now you're off the hook. Um, you should never be thankful for that. Um, you know, that thankful that somebody else came along that you didn't get a chance to or have to, that you did not have to uh, meet that need. Um, so, you know, work up your own example. That's not the best, but it'll give you some kind of picture of what I'm talking about here. And... Um, if you don't have that, that tender heart and, and, and a sensitive spirit, you can really be calloused. Your heart, again, can be calloused. And again, you'll be weary in everything you do. You go to work as a, uh, just like they do in the world, like drones. You know, you go in like drones. You're not blessing anybody. You're not blessing yourself when you do that. God does, God gets no glory out of that. Um, you wind up in a position like, uh, in a position, especially if it's Christian ministry, that it's, um, a position of, uh, religious professionalism, uh, religion period, which is, you know, that's not what it's all about. Um, we live according to the word of God, not according to religion. Religion's man-made. And, um, we, you wind up living, um, legalistically, and that's where it's not what you want to do. Um, so bottom line is we, we must not either have a blind eye and we must not either have an averted eye, nor should we think of ourselves when we see the needs of others. I mean, that's the bottom line. You can't be thinking about how this blessing somebody is now going to affect you. Once you do that, you're, the adversary is pretty close to getting you there. Getting you off plan. And, um, again, adversary wants, wants nothing more. He knows he's done. He wants to get people, uh, from being saved and those that are saved. He has, 
Uh, he wants to get you away from the plan that God has for your life. He does not want you to serve God. He doesn't want people blessed. And he certainly doesn't want God to get the glory for any blessings that may come through, from God through you. So he does not want that. And the only right way for a servant of God to respond is to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? As Paul did in Acts 9, 6. Um, and, and again, we can't do everything. And, um, but we, ha- we, we should be in a position to do something. And uh, we must do it as Jesus would do it so that God and Jesus Christ can get the glory. Um, I was just thinking of um, something here. Um, Okay, well, I kind of lost my train of thought. uh, But... Bottom line is um, we should want to do and and help people. Um, oh well, what I was was thinking about was the Ephesians project and how a few years ago when I started it, it was actually because I was thinking about the fact that um, the fact that there were so many. Um, uh, problems today. Uh, the world is messed up. Uh, our communities are messed up. Families are messed up. There's, there's so much work to be done that I was finding myself telling God, saying, hey, God, you know, I mean, what could I possibly do? There's so much. It's just, where do we, where do I start? Where do we start? And, and, um, and again, I felt in my spirit, God saying that it may be too much for you or any one individual, but it's not too much for my body of Christ. So, uh, when we all work together, God will get the job done through the body of Christ. We are, and, and again, sometimes we, we think of this body of Christ. We don't even think about what it really is. Jesus Christ is no longer on this earth. Jesus Christ is, is at the right hand of the Father. He sent his Holy, uh, they sent, he sent the Holy Spirit here to be our comforters and our guides. We have God and Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are now walking, each one of us, is like a Jesus Christ kind of walking. So there's like now, instead of one Jesus Christ walking, there's like millions of Jesus Christ walking. When we walk according to the word of God. And uh, had Jesus Christ, and it says this in there in the Bible, that had, had the, Lord of glory, uh, the Lord of glory known, uh, he wouldn't have, he w- if he had known this, this is basically the mystery, um, that he would not have crucified Jesus Christ, because he he was in a position where he was uh, not happy, but he was content probably to deal with one Jesus Christ. But now he has to deal with millions of Jesuses walking around when we're walking according to the word of God. And uh, so that's what I was thinking about here. And I had, it had escaped me for a second. But it's when we're walking uh, as a unified body of Christ that things can get taken care of. Things can get done. God can do what he what he wants to be done. But if we don't, then uh, the jobs don't get done, and we just go along uh, the way it is. The body of Christ basically has been asleep at the switch for a very long time. That's why there's a uh, legalized abortion and everything else, because um, not until now, really, like with the Second Amendment, rights issues. Now people are going crazy trying to defend the Constitution, which is very, 
very, uh, it's a great thing to do because these are our rights, but where were the people when the abortion issue, you know, law got passed? And, you know, so this is where our heart has to be on the things of God. And certainly, uh, constitutional rights, uh, are, are paramount as well. Um, this country was founded on, on God's word. So, but all these little issues along the way, the body of Christ has been silent, and now we have to live with our silence. So now we're trying to regroup, or we should be trying to regroup and uh, get things in order and live according to God's plan. Um, the people God calls us to serve have all kinds of needs, again, physical, emotional, relational, financial. But at rock bottom, their greatest need is to have a relationship with God and his will. And... This doesn't mean that, uh, that when somebody has a, one of those needs, uh, if they need food, uh, we shouldn't then say, have, say a prayer for them and, and then leave them alone to, to, to starve. You know, I mean, that's not what it's talking about. That's not what the Bible preaches. Uh, we don't, we don't quote a Bible promise to hungry people, pray for them and, and tell them to go home and be warmed and filled, as it says in James 2.16. Uh, we do what we can to help those people, to help them uh, put food, to put food on their table. But what's more important than that is to get to the issue of why they don't have food in the first place, and try to meet that, uh, try to meet that need in a way that we can show them God's plan for their lives and how they can then make the changes that they may need to make in order to provide their own food on their table. And, and again, this, the way it is today, there's so many things happening. It, uh, people, some things it's, are out of the control of, of, of the individual, uh, individuals. And, um, so they get themselves in trouble. And, and part of this too is, uh, living above our means and credit card debt and all that. That's all different issue. But the whole point is, is that you don't, you, you want to help people, but you want to be in a position to show them how they can in the future of, uh, you know, not have the, have the problem of hunger or whatever the issue is, try to get to the heart of the issue and try to help them try to turn them on to the word where, when possible, you know, you don't hit them with the word when they're, when they have these other issues, you help them fill the need. Um, you ask God, you pray about it and, uh, you fill the need, you help them. And then when they see this, then maybe they will, Turn to God at some time in the future. Uh, sometimes it's right on the spot. So we don't know. That's up to God. All we can do is follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and minister and do whatever God tells us to do with a loving heart, smile on her face, and um, give God, always give God the glory. And um, that's one of the differences between, let's say, Christian ministry and uh, humanitarian benevolence, like, you know, they have a lot of good charities that help people, but sometimes that's all they do is they give people, they give people, they give people stuff, and they help them, which is great, but they never show them how to not let it happen again. And again, there's extreme situations like uh, natural disasters, things like that, where, you know, hey, uh, these these uh, organizations are wonderful for helping people, but uh, we need Christians in there. Christians in there showing these people the love of God in a different way than the benevolent uh, organizations do, and not just leave them hanging, but show them the love of God in operation, 
and help these people to turn their lives around. And maybe in a case where the disaster can be used actually to open up their hearts to the word of God, where they would never have seen or uh, the, the love of God or be in a position to turn to God. Uh, so God will use those difficult situations and use people in those difficult situations to uh, help people in a way that these other organizations couldn't possibly do. And um, only true Christian ministry can put grace in the heart so that lives are changed and problems are really solved. That's that's the bottom line. And um, the best thing we can do for people is not to solve their problems for them, but to relate them to God's grace, so that they will be able to solve their own problems and not repeat them. And again, we went, we just went through that. Um, and sometimes it's not what we do that creates uh, difficulties, but what the others have done. Sometimes children can be um, suffer from what their parents do. Uh, uh, employees can suffer for what uh, someone else in the company does, let's say embezzling or something like that, or making stupid decisions and uh, uh, whatever it might be in a company situation, making dumb situations, uh, whatever it is, uh, not operating according to the way they should be operating. And then the employees suffer when the company goes down uh, out of business. And uh, so people may not people may not cause their own problems, but if they relate to their problems the wrong way, they can make the problem worse. So, again, uh, circumstances around us, uh, we, sometimes we can't control them. People can't control circumstances. But their reaction to the circumstances is what is in each one of our um, we is 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 in our realm to do. We can react uh, to those circumstances in a positive way and not a negative way. And again, the church is the body of Christ on earth, taking the place of the Savior's return to heaven. I said that before, and um, Jesus didn't come to get. Minister to, he came to minister. He did not come to get minister to, he came to minister. And that has to be our attitude, uh, sacrifice and service to the glory of God. And um, there was a time that uh, even Peter, he didn't say, what do I have, uh, what I do have, I give you, as we went through in Acts 3.6 in one of the other messages. Uh he said, see, we have left all and followed you. Um, therefore, what shall we have? That was Matthew 19, 27. Um, and that's selfishness. Selfishness says, what will I get? Service says, what I'll, I have, I'll give to you. So Peter in Matthew was had the selfish mentality. But by the time Acts 3.6 came around, he now, uh, when he ministered, uh, it's the what I do, the servant's attitude. And human needs today in our world today, are, human needs in our world today are indescribable. I mean, they're all around us. They're, again, too numerous to count. And if you have a, an, a tender heart, you want to help everybody. And, and it's, it's almost unbearable sometimes. And you have to, again, get your mind in line with your heart, 
and know that you can't do everything, but you can do something. And that's what you have to get back to the point where you have your head in the Word of God, you're living according to the Word of God, you're doing what God asks you to do. Remember, he trusts. Being faithful, I heard this definition do too back when. Uh, being faithful mean, to God means that you that God can trust you to do the last thing he told you to do. And that's really uh, pretty cool that he would have the opportunity to trust you, trust me, to do what the last thing he asks us to do or tells us to do. Uh, and to the extent we do it is would show our faithfulness to him. And um, again, you and I can't do everything, but we can do something. And that something is the ministry that he's called us to fulfill. And, and again, sometimes you will have and, and we have uh, discover your gifting and the Ephesians project. Part of this project was to, again, so people, some people don't even, Christians don't know that they have a, even have a ministry. They don't even understand that there's gifting that God gives every Christian, every believer has certain gifts and talents, uh, and, and that God will use, uh, to bless people. And whatever your ministry is, God will, has given you the, the, uh, the gifts and talents to fulfill that plan. So uh, we have again on the Discover Your Gifting page we have uh, we have uh, a, a a test basically it's a survey kind of deal. This was done by uh, Frankie uh, Frankie Powell, Pastor Frankie Powell. I, th- I believe he's out in Alabama, but he developed this and um, uh, he uh, this thing this I use this on the Ephesians project because it is so. Um, it's always right on. I mean, uh, several people that I've, we've done the uh, the sessions and I've done individual, we've done group sessions with it, and it's always right on. So anyway, I would avail you, uh, uh, encourage you to take advantage of that and look at that and just know that you have a gift, you have a ministry, and to the extent you want to help people and you want to bless God and you want uh, you want to be a blessing to him that uh, you would fulfill your plan for your life um, know that you can do something you can do something today to bless someone else you can do something tomorrow to bless someone else you can do something uh, every day uh, throughout the day to bless people just ask God have your, ask him to open up your eyes to opportunities and um, just do all with the true servant's heart so that ministry can happen when divine resources meet, you, meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. So you want to be that loving channel and you want to give glory to God. Thank you. Till next time, Tony Mangone signing off. Have a great day and uh, uh, keep building up, encouraging and exhorting everyone. Thank you. Just wanted to make note of an error uh, that I had made when recording. Uh, this was somewhere around 38 minutes in, a little more than 38 minutes actually. Uh, I was speaking about uh, Jesus Christ uh, walking the earth and um, now that he's gone we have uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
and that uh, we now, uh, Satan now has to deal with millions of Christ who are walking according to the word of God, not just one. Uh, I made the statement about the Lord of glory, had he not known. Uh, what I had intended to say was that had the princes of this world known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And that references 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 2, verses 6 through 8. Thanks.